Thank you for being here today. Job chapter number two. Let's stand together. We're going to begin reading in verse number 11. <clears throat> the book of Job chapter number two. In verse number 11. While you're standing, I know most of you know this, but just in case you don't, Job has just experienced tragedies in his life. Job's family has been suddenly take away, taken away. <clears throat> Everything that Job owned has been destroyed. And Job now finds himself in a very dark place. <clears throat> but I love what Job said in verse number 21 of chapter 1. He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. He said, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. When I study the book of Job, it's to me one of the hardest books in all of the Bible for me to read. Because I read everything that Job went through. And then I read the conversation that Job has with his friends all through the middle of the book of Job. And then when you get to the end, you find out that God restores everything back to Job and he's blessed and Life is amazing. But I have a hard time reading through this book. And the Lord began to deal with me as I was studying on a verse. I was studying Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 10. And this is what the Bible says. Many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Jesus is teaching us in Matthew chapter number 24 on end times. He is teaching us how the world is going to be right before he raptures the church. If you believe in the rapture, say amen. amen. Right before he raptures the church. And then he is teaching us in Matthew chapter number 24 how this world is going to be during the tribulation period. And one of the verses that he teaches on is... Many's going to portray one another, and many shall hate one another. As I began to study and think, the Lord, through my study, led me to the book of Job. And I want to say this to you, as testified this morning, I am so thankful that Jesus Christ is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I am so thankful that once you accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But let us all be reminded, church, as we are drawing closer to the end, for a Christian we're drawing closer to the beginning, things in this world will grow worse and worse. Heartache, disappointment. People's going to let you down. I'm going to let you down. You'll let me down. Life is certainly full of heartaches and full of troubles. And what the Lord began to deal with me about as I was studying on these verses is not only do you need the Lord, but in these last days, you're going to need your family. And not only are you going to need the Lord and you're going to need your family, you're going to need some friends. There are some in this service and those that are watching online that probably says, well, I don't need anyone. I'm good by myself. You're wrong. We need each other. 
And the closer we get to Jesus taking his church home, we need our church family. We need to be here for one another. Pray for one another. Take care of one another. Love on one another. Amen? And as I begin to study these verses, I notice that Job, in the darkest time of his life, had three friends show up. Look at it with me in Job chapter 2, verse number 11. Now when Job's three friends, let me say this. I said this in the early service. If you've got three friends today, you're blessed. Three true friends. If you have three true friends in this life, you are a blessed individual. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came every one from his own place. Elphiaz, the, the Tenonite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namite. That's hard for me to pronounce. And they had made, notice this, an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off, knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept. And they rent every one his mantle, sprinkled dust upon their heads towards heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights. And none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. I want to preach this morning on this subject. Faithful friends. Faithful friends. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence that is so real in this place. We thank you for the Word of God. Lord, we realize that the Word of God is right on time. I had a man say one time that the Word of God is more up to date than tomorrow's newspaper. It's not even on the press. And I believe that to be true. We ask you, dear Lord, that you would help me and fill me with your spirit. Give me the strength, Lord, to be able to preach this message. I pray that you would keep my voice. That you would touch every heart. And that the ears in this congregation would be open to the truth of the scriptures. Help us today, I pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you for being here and thank you for standing. In reverence of reading of the scriptures. We find that Job is in a very hard place in his life. As I begin to study this portion of scripture on Job, the Lord also led me to this thought. When did all of this begin? When did it begin that people would struggle? When did it begin that husbands and wives would have battles? When when did it begin when brother would be against brother or family against family? When did it begin when people would try to cause you and I to stumble? When did all of this begin? When did it begin when, as Zach Plemons, who pastors in Haywood County, would always pray and say, Lord, help me to be a stepping stone and not... A stumbling block. 
When did people begin to cause other people to stumble? Who is it that can cause you and I to stumble? Is it just those people that are out in the world? Or would it, could it possibly be even people in our own family that could cause you and I to stumble? Could it be a husband that causes a wife to stumble and fall out of the things of God? Could it, could it be your very best friend? The one that you work with, that you confide in, that you share all of your struggles and your deepest thoughts with? Could it be that person that could cause you and I to stumble? May I say it again before we get into this message, how important it is that you and I not only know Jesus Christ as our Savior, but how important it is that you and I have a faithful friend. Someone that we can count on. Someone that will be there when things is going good. Someone that will be there when it seems that all life is flying apart. And as I'll look and you'll look together before this message ends this morning, we need a friend that's not only going to be there in the beginning. We need a friend that'll stick it out and hang out until the end. Amen? And we will see that as we study about Job and these three friends that are mentioned here. So I asked the question, when did all of this begin? It all began in the book of Genesis, chapter number 3. When you read there in Genesis 3, 1, Now the serpent, which was the devil, was more subtle than any beast of the field. And we will read there where the devil came and he began to tempt Eve. And then Eve began to share with her husband, Adam. And we'll find that Adam and Eve was beguiled. They was tricked by this serpent, the devil, there in the garden, in the very beginning in your Bibles, in the book of Genesis chapter number 3. So right off the get-go, we find a husband and a wife that has been deceived in the garden by the devil. It don't just stop there. It goes on in Genesis chapter number 4 and verse number 8. You'll find there where the Bible says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So right in the beginning of the Word of God, we'll find where Adam and Eve struggled in the garden because of the devil. We'll find where they was two brothers, Cain and Abel, how they struggled and how one brother rose up against the other brother and slew him there that day in that field. It don't stop there. As you go into Genesis chapter number 37, verses 18 through 36, you'll find another man and his brothers. This man's name was the name of Joseph. And we'll find that his brothers, in verse number 18 of Genesis 37, they saw him and they conspired against him how they would slay him. And it says in that chapter that they stripped him of his coat and they threw him in a pit. And I shared this earlier, it always amazes me in verse 25 of that chapter. After they saw their brother, the dreamer cometh, after they stripped him of that coat and they threw him in that pit, the Bible says that the rest of his brothers, they just sit down there that day and sit and eat some bread together. Just sit and eat bread after they had thrown their their own brother in that pit. It don't stop there. You get now to the book of Judges, chapter number 16. You'll read there of a man by the name of Samson. I know Samson had his faults. I know Samson had some pitfalls in his life. 
I know Samson fell headlong over women. But you'll find there in Judges chapter number 16, there was a woman there by the name of Delilah. And from the very beginning, Delilah began to try to trick Samson. She began to ask him, hey, where does your great strength lie? The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. The Philistines be upon thee. And Samson would not tell her the truth. And then she would come again and she would try to trick him and beguile him and try to cause him to stumble and cause him to fall. All through the Word of God, what I'm trying to tell you is, is in the very beginning, there was a husband and a wife that struggled with the devil. There was two brothers that struggled in the very beginning of time. There was another brother whose other brothers was jealous and they threw him in a pit to leave him dead. There was a man by the name of Samson and Delilah that all her, all her heart's desire was was to try to trick Samson so that one day he could surely be destroyed. We read all. We read of a man by the name of David who struggled with his son Absalom. We read what David said in Psalm 55, 12 and 13. It said David spoke of his, of his self in Psalms. He says, it was not an enemy. He said, if it was an enemy, I could abhor it. He said, or it was not one that hated me. He said, but it was thou, a man, my equal, my guide, my acquaintance. What David was saying in Psalm 55 was this. If my struggles in life was only coming from enemies... I could deal with them a whole lot better. If my struggles in life was coming from people that wanted to see me destroyed, then I could deal with that. He said, but what bothers me more than anything is the struggles in my life is coming from the people that I love. The struggles in my life are coming from people that I walk with and talk with. Some of my biggest struggles in life are coming from my own acquaintances, is what David said in Psalm number 55. But it gets greater. It gets greater than that. If all that we read was Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis, we would say, man, the devil sure did trip them up. If all that we read was Cain and Abel, we would say, I cannot believe that one brother was just slew his other brother. Can't believe that would happen. If we read of Joseph and his brothers, we would say, yeah, man, jealousy. Jealousy causes a lot of bad things in life. But I want you to notice a pattern here as we study this. I want to remind you where it began. It began in the garden. And I want to remind all of us, where is it coming from? It's coming from the devil. And let me remind you and I that you and I do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and wickedness that is in high places. And you and I need to realize that these struggles has been from the beginning, that you and I need to realize where these struggles are coming from. We need to realize the foundation, where it starts, why did it start, what's behind it, so that when it happens to you and it happens in your family or it happens with your best friend or it happens in your workplace or it even happens in the place where you worship that you and I will know how to handle it that you and I will realize man it's always been this way and it's never going to end that's why you and I not only need to know Jesus as our savior but you and I need a faithful friend in the life that we're living in a faithful friend like I said it didn't stop here Jesus Christ himself Handpicked 12 disciples 
And one of those disciples sought to betray him. It's amazing to me. When I began to study that, I thought to myself, Luke 22, verse 3 and 4. Then entered Satan into Judas, surname Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way, how he might betray him. This is what Matthew says of Judas in Matthew 10, 4, who also betrayed him. Luke says of him in Luke 6, 16, which also was a traitor. John says of him in 13, 2, the devil put into his heart to betray him. It starts in the garden. We know where it started. And this morning, each and every one of you ought to know where it is coming from. That same serpent, that same devil, in the very beginning of our Bible that tricked Adam and Eve, is the same spirit, is the same devil that entered into the life of one of Jesus' own disciples, Judas Iscariot, and caused him to begin from that day forward to seek a plan on how he could betray Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So we know where it comes from. There's no, there's no need to ask. Wonder why that person done that to me. You know where it come from. Wonder why this happened in my life. You ought to know where it come from. And if we know that it has happened from the beginning of time, and we know that it has continued to happen all through the Word of God, then you and I must realize that it is still happening today. Are you with me? Amen. Listen now. You share that private thought to a friend, they betray you. The love of your parents, maybe even an old brother or, an old, or your own sister, they can turn against you. Husbands turning against their own wife and wives turning against their own husbands. And co-workers, that co-worker that, that you've talked to for years and you've, you've had lunch with them and you've prayed with them and you've talked to them about so many things in your life. One day, if they turn their back and walk away from you, just always remember something, child of God. It's been that way from the very beginning of time. You've got to understand where it started. Somebody tell me where it started? The garden. Can someone tell me who started all of this mess? The devil. Don't ever forget that. But I feel that the Lord would have me to share about these faithful friends of Job. And as I begin to study these verses, the Lord began to deal with me. I even asked myself this question this week, me personally. As I was praying this week, I asked myself, am I a good friend? Am I a good friend? To the people that I'm around, to the, to the people that I talk to, to to the individuals that I spend time with, not just in church, but those that I spend time with after church. Am I a good friend? Can I be there for my friend? And then you have to stop and ask yourself this question. Do I have any good friends that would be there for me? If you're with me so far, say amen. 
Let's get into this message. I'm not going to be much longer, but I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. And then we'll finish up this morning. We notice that the Bible says in verse number 11, Job's three friends. And it gives their names. Uh, Elphaz, Bildad, Zophar. I'm probably not pronouncing that right for you Hebrew students. But when I began to study those three names, I looked them up in the Hebrew dictionary one at a time. And I found something very interesting when I looked up these three names that says they was Job's friends. If you look them up in the Hebrew dictionary, this is the definition that is with these three names. Friends of Job. (laughs) Friends of Job. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, I think it's a pretty big deal. Because, Brother Joel, I would hope and pray that if my name was ever in the dictionary and Joel Moffat sitting over here said, you know what, I've got a friend named Preacher Keith Watkins. And I'm going to look up Keith Watkins in the dictionary. What a blessing would it be if you turned to my name and, and beside my name the definition was a friend of Joel. A friend of Joel. I want you to realize today as we are looking into this text that Job had three friends. Something else I want you to realize in this text, not only is they faithful friends, not only was they three of them, but they come to Job to mourn with him and they also come to Job to comfort him. That's why they come. They came to him. The Bible even teaches us that they made an appointment to be there with Job. Now listen to this. Please don't get lost in these points. Because they will help you to realize what kind of friend you need to be. And it will help you to realize what kind of friends you need. These three men made an appointment to be there with Job. Now, there is someone sitting in this service right now who has a friend that is struggling, who has someone that you know that is going through some things in life. And I know what you do. You do a lot of times the same thing that I do. We'll just wait until they call, or we'll wait until we see them again, or we'll wait until we run into them at church, or we'll wait until we run into them at Ingalls or down at the gas station. Let me tell you what these three friends did. They did not wait for Job to come to them. They went to Job. And they did not sit around and wait for them to run into him one day down here by the sheep gate. They just went ahead and made an appointment and said, hey guys, we need to get together because Job is struggling and we need to go find him because we need to go down there and help him. Why do you need to help him? Because he's our friend. He is our friend. You got any friends that are struggling right now? You got any friends that you hadn't seen in church in a couple of weeks? You have any friends that you hadn't talked to on the phone for a little while? You have any friends that you know that are struggling? Make an appointment. It's time you go see them. It's time you go there. I shared this earlier when my wife was going through cancer. And you ladies in this church loved on my wife more than what we would have ever dreamed that you would have done. 
You ladies in this church took up an offering for my wife so that when all of her hair fell out, she went and bought her one of the best wigs that money could buy. She wore that thing for a week or two and she said, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to go in there bald and I don't care. But you women took care of her and you loved on her and you cared for her. But by my own wife's testimony, she would say this to me. She would say, as much as I know I need to be at church and as much as I know them women in that church love me and as much as I know when I get there that they're going to encourage me every time I pull up into that parking lot, I feel anxiety and I tell myself I can't go in. I just can't go in. I don't want to go in and talk about it. I don't really want to be around anyone. I just kind of want to just disappear. I don't want to have to explain anything. I just can't go in. Did you know there's people in your life that's your friend and they're struggling and you say, man, I don't know why they're not coming to church. I don't know why they're not doing good. I don't know why I hadn't heard from them. Hey, listen, you need to make an appointment and you need to seek them and you need to go exactly where they are at so that you can be there for your friend. Let me remind you in the last days, you and I not only need Jesus, we are going to need some friends. Are you with me? We're going to need some friends. And they went to him. Not only did they come to him, but number two, and I've only got one more point, so stay with me. Verse number 12, and they then not only came to him, but they saw him in verse number 12. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they, they lifted up their voice and wept. And they rent every one his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads towards heaven. So they, they saw him and they wept and they took off their outer garment and they laid it to the side. In other words, they're saying to Job, I don't want to come here trying to be better than you. I don't want to come here. Everything that I have, I will strip it off so that I can sit here with you. And they took dust and they threw it up towards the sky and let it fall down over their heads as an Old Testament way, a biblical way of showing that we are mourning with you, Saul. I mean, we are mourning with you, Job. We are here with you, Job. And we're God you and we're right here beside you we have you back so they came to him and then they saw him but not only that they sat down with him did you see that in verse number 13 they sat down with him so they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights and none spake a word unto him for they saw that his grief was very great You know what your biggest problem is? And you know what my biggest problem is? When we know someone that is struggling, we always feel like we have to say something. You don't have to always say something. You know what a friend does? A friend is just there. A friend just shows up. A friend just sits with you. You say, oh man, I feel like when I went to see my friend the other day, I should have said more. Maybe you should have said less. Maybe you should have said less instead of saying more. Because when these three men showed up, they sit there for seven days and they sit there for seven nights and they never said a word to Job. They just sit there. When my wife was sick, I would load her up in my little car we got. It's a little Suzuki Samurai, a little Jeep. would take the top off of it. 
And me and my wife would get in that thing. She had had her chemo treatments and she would be sick. And we knew what day it was coming. And she'd tell me, don't plan anything on that day. I want to go on a ride. And I would, I would get up that morning and she would get up that morning and she would be sick. And I'd get her in the car with me and we'd take the top off and the sun would be shining. And we would just ride down the road. Sometimes we'd ride over Doggett Mountain. Sometimes we'd go to Black Mountain. Sometimes we'd go to Chimney Rock. Sometimes we'd just ride through Haywood County and go around the lake. Sometimes we would just ride for hours. You know how much we talked? Zero. She would lay her head over on the door and she would sleep. And I would just ride and I'd hold her hand and she'd put her hand on my leg and I'd, and I'd, and I'd rub her legs and I would talk to her and, and I'd look at her and she'd just be over there asleep. And you know what I learned? Keep your mouth shut. Just be with her. Just be with her and comfort her and love on her and everything's going to be all right. Sometimes we'd ride for an hour. Sometimes we'd ride for two hours. Sometimes we'd ride half a day. And I'd pull back in the driveway and she would wake up. She'd look at me and she'd say, I love you. Thank you for spending the day with me. And she'd get out, go upstairs and lay down on the couch. And she'd spend the rest of the day laying there on the couch sick. And one time someone wanted to buy that little Jeep. And she told me, she said, you better never sell that thing. You better never sell that thing. It was our getaway vehicle. It's what we did together. She slept. I'll tell this and then I'll close. One day we was riding over number nine through Black Mountain down into Chimney Rock. And she fell asleep and it started raining. She never woke up. The rain was hitting on us. I was leaned up. She was just gone. Never woke up. And finally, we got almost all the way home, and she woke up, and she said, Am I wet? I was like, yeah, baby. We've been riding around in the rain. She didn't care. She didn't care. She didn't need me to be a big talker that day. She didn't need me to be the pastor that day. She just needed me to be there that day. Are you with me? It's either quiet because you're really listening or it's quiet because I've bored you to death. She was just needing me to be there that day. Seven days. Turn to Job 16, verse number 2. Turn with me real quick. 16, verse number 2. Now these guys, they've, they've quit sitting around. Now they've started talking. And they've all started talking. And they've all started giving Job all this advice. And they've all started saying, look, God would do this, and I would do this, and you need to do this, and this is what you need to do, and this is how it needs to work. And for chapter after chapter after chapter, these three friends just keep talking to Job. They was doing good while they were sitting there not saying a word. But when they started talking, look what Job says in 16.2. I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. I love that. You know what he's saying to them? You're making me miserable, guys. Would you just stop talking? It's a good lesson for all of us. Miserable comforters is what you've become. We can learn a lot of lessons 
from these three friends? Turn to the very last chapter, the book of Job, chapter number 42. I said to you in the opening comments, a friend will be there in the beginning, but it's a blessing when the friend is there in the end. I've always read through the book of Job and got to chapter number 42, and I realized that the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. I realized it says he was also given seven sons and three daughters and 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and and a 1,000 yoke of oxen and a 1,000 she-asses. And and he was given all these things. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. And you read that in the book of Job chapter 42. The ending of Job's life was a bigger blessing than the beginning of Job's life. But I'd never noticed right here in the same chapter Guess who's there? Those three friends. They're in this chapter. Look at verse 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said unto Eliphaz the the Timnite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. For you have not spoken to me the things that is right as my servant Job has. Then he says, therefore, take now seven bullocks and seven rams and go uh, to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, and that you have not spoken of me the things which is right, like my servant Job. And then it says, and Eliphaz and Timnite and and all of them guys, the Shuhite, and and all of them, they went according to the Lord commanded them in verse number 9. And the Lord also accepted Job. You know what I find here? I find that these three friends got to talking a little bit too much. And the Lord rebuked them and told them they needed to get right. You know what they did? They followed the commandment of the Lord and they got right with God. They got right with Him. And they offered the sacrifice, the Old Testament sacrifice. They offered that and they got right with the Lord. And then Job prayed with them. And there they are. I know it would be real easy for you and I to throw off on these three friends, especially when you read through the book, you get into all them chapters, start throwing off on them. But can I say this about these three friends? Listen real close. Miss Gina, if you'll come to the piano. Listen real close. Those three friends was there in the beginning when everything was going bad. And those three friends were still there in the end when everything turned around and was going good. Those three friends was not perfect. Neither are you and I. But you know what they was? Don't miss this. They was faithful friends. They might have said some things, Joe, that they had no business saying. They might have even said, God told me to say this, and really God didn't tell them to say it at all. But you know what they did? They was there. They was there. They was there. And they stuck it out to the end. You know what you and I need? You ready for this? We have a Savior that loves us. If you believe that, say amen. amen. You know what else we need in these last days? We need some faithful friends. We need a friend that's going to be there when things are going bad. And we need some friends that's going to be there to the end. Faithful friends.
Miss Gina. So here's the question. Here's the question. Who in this service has a friend that is really struggling right now? A friend that is struggling right now. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I've got a friend that is really struggling right now. All right. What you going to do, faithful friend? What you going to do, faithful friend? What are you going to do? I'll tell you what you need to do. The first thing you need to do if you raised your hand, I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you and make you come pray, but if you raised your hand and you have some friends that are struggling, the best thing you could do this morning is come to this altar and pray for your friends. Pray for your friends because they're struggling. Pray for them. And then, go ahead and set up a time. You know what? I'm going to pray for them today. But one day this week, I'm going. One day this week, I'm going to their house. One day this week, I'm going to where they work. One day this week, I am going to track them down and I am going to find them. Because you know what? They're my friend. And I care for them. I want to be there for them. But then here's the second question. You ready for this? Who in this service this morning wants to be that kind of friend? I want to be that kind of friend. I want to care. I want to know what to say and what not to say. I want to be there for them. I want, I want more than anything to be a good friend because I need them and they need me. And I ain't going to lie to you, sometimes I'm so selfish Sometimes I'm so full of myself. Sometimes all I ever think about is me, 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 me. All I ever worry about is me. I ain't worried about anyone else. Maybe this morning you ought to come to the altar and say, Lord, give me compassion for my friends. It's not all about you. You think it is, but it's not all about you. We need some people that will pray and say, Lord, help me to be a friend. Help me to be a friend. If you need to come, you come on.